Welcome back to our series on Plato's Republic. In this episode, we will be finishing up book six, the second half of book six, and we will be focusing on the uh, analogy or the allegory of the, um, the sun, the image of the sun and its relationship to the good. So in uh, this, this book, Plato uh, articulates or tries to articulate what the good, what knowledge of the good is or what the good does um, in relation to the many things that are good through a, um, an analogy by appealing to uh, the sun and the way in which we come to see things um, through uh, the, 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 the causal um, efficacy of the sun. So this will obviously uh, have a lot to do with what uh, the philosopher is, which we've been talking about at length. Uh, namely the one who is capable of having knowledge of justice uh, and thereby being able to himself be like justice and so is capable of um, uh, reproducing justice, right? The, 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 there's all these images throughout the, um, the Republic about uh, the, the, the reproduction. Uh, you had this quite explicitly or literally in, in the, the notion of, of children uh, kind of passing on one's life, reproducing your life in, in your child. But it's also the case that um, what I think you have is the, 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 just, um, the just man, the, the guardian, uh, is the one who is capable of reproducing that justice in the, um, the city. And uh, because of the fact that there's a, a, a same type of order uh, that's occurring between the city and the, the, the person. And we've talked about this at length already in this, um, in this series. So we'll jump in to what um, Plato has to say about uh, the sun. And the, uh, the first thing to, to, to note is the... Um, the comparison between um, seeing and knowing is, uh, you know, one that that is is you know deep deeply um, ingrained into just our, our common um, understanding of of things, and it's deep in many of our metaphors. The idea of coming to knowledge as a light bulb going off, right? So that. You have this uh, this this awareness, which which it's almost like the the, the light has shone in, in your in the darkness of your mind, and so that things become clear. Right? We use the the, the notion of clarity. We use the notion of um, illumination. Uh, something something um, clicked. Uh, you're now illuminated. You you now know, and so. This is this is hopefully uh, an analogy that that we're already familiar with in a um, in in a, in a just a straightforward um, kind of idiomatic way. But hopefully, once we reflect on this, we'll see the the depth of this analogy itself. Okay, so the 
The first thing that, that's worth r recognizing is there are things that um, can be seen, right? So there are visible things. And then there are things that can see, right? Uh, visual things. So there's, there's a distinction between things that can be seen and things that can see. And what Socrates says is uh, there needs to be a third thing that um, is, is in play if sight is going to occur, right? So you are standing in a room and there is a alligator before you. Don't ask why there's an alligator before you, but there's an alligator before you. And uh, it seems that the alligator, in virtue of being an alligator, is visible. In virtue of you being a human, you have uh, vision, you, you can see. But it's not necessarily the case that you will see the alligator, even though both those things are, are, are true. What there needs to be is there needs to be light. There has to be something which unites the uh, the visual the sorry the, the visible object the alligator with the um, uh, with the seer, right? And and this this unity or this this interaction occurs through some third medium or some third. Um, we'll call it a thing, but this is maybe not the best way to, to put it, but this, this, um, this thing called light is what enables the uh, alligator to be seen, and it's what enables the seer to actually see. Uh, and this is, this is significant because it's almost as if your eyes have a have a limitation. Your eyes can only do what they're supposed to do if there's something else. Um, likewise, the alligator uh, can't be seen unless there is something else, uh, and and it's this it's this um, sort of mysterious thing. I mean, even to this day, light's fairly mysterious. This mysterious thing we call light, on Plato's view, uh, it's something like a transparent um, a medium, so that it's not the case that what you're seeing is literally light. What you're seeing is the alligator because of the light, or in the light, or through the light, or by the light, the alligator is made um, actually known, uh, and this is this is a real significant um, uh, part of the story because it's going to tie up with why the sun is um, and and an, an analogy for the good. Okay, so uh, let's continue the, the the analogy just a bit, and then we'll switch over to try to see how this communicates something about what the good is. So the, um, the, the, putting it in, in another kind of way, the seer is sort of wishing, hoping, wanting 
to see things, the, the visible objects are sort of metaphorically wishing, hoping, wanting to be seen. Uh, and it's light, which is sort of the giver. It, the light is what gives each of those two things to each other. And so the light has something like a, um, an aspect of um, a gift or reciprocity. It's what gives the, 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 the visible object to the, the seer, and it's what opens the seer to um, actually see the visible object. And so the light has this, um, uh, this characteristic of, of, um, of giving, right? It, it's what gives the two to each other. And so for, for Plato, it seems like this is a, an apt uh, analogy because of the fact that um, this is, is an analogy of um, knowledge or understanding uh, more generally or more broadly. So here's how this is sort of supposed to go. So just as um, seeing is to the sun, knowing is to the good. Okay, so here's what I mean. So um, there are things that can be known, right? So think of all the many things that can be known. Some of these maybe you know. Obviously, there are going to be many things uh, that are out there that you just don't know, but you could know, right? You could know many things that you actually currently don't. Um, so you have this ability to know, and there are things out there that have an ability to be known, uh, just as we saw with the case of, of vision. There are many things that have the ability to be seen and many things that have the ability to see, but there needs to be some third unifier that, that unites the two, that gives the two to each other. Likewise, there needs to be something that gives the knower and the, 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 the knowable to each other so that the knowable becomes actually known in the knower. Uh, something needs to unite the two. And this is what the, uh, the good is for, for Plato. It's what makes um, things that are knowable actually known uh, by knowers. Um, just as the sun is what makes visible things actually visible or actually seen by um, seers. Okay, so uh, the, the thing that, that also needs to be understood about this analogy which is fruitful that, that Plato goes into a uh, discussion of, is that it's not so much the sun which is seen, rather we see the effects of the sun. Uh, so he distinguishes the sun from uh, the light that it produces. And it's this light which is um, what, what enacts the, um, the actual uh, you know, vision or, or, or the actual sight of things. So, so the sun affects uh, through, through, through one of its effects, light, um, vision. Okay, so the, there's something enigmatic or, or 
beyond beyond sight um, it, about the sun, right? So, so what he's trying to articulate is that uh, we know the sun by its effects. Um, we know the sun because we see things. Um, it's not even the case that we like directly see light. He, it, it seems right. Um, what you directly see is the alligator. It's the table. It's the 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 chairs around you. It's the the walls around you. Those are the things that we we actually see. Um, but we know, or, or we we come aware of, become aware of the. Um, um, uh, those things because of the light um, and then ultimately the light itself is um, something which is um, affected by or, or caused by um, the sun so so there is this type of um, you know something which pushes you to this realization that there's got to be something beyond what you're immediately um, aware of that something else um, caused or brought about. Okay, so here's how here's how Socrates puts it. This is on page two hundred three uh, of the Reeve translation. This five hundred eight um, B. Uh, here's what he says. Um, uh, and isn't sight naturally naturally related? to that God in the following way, that God being the sun. So sight is related to the God in the following way. Which one? Neither sight itself, says Socrates, nor that in which it comes to be, namely the eye, is the sun. So, so sight, uh, nor, nor the eye, is, is the sun, right? The sun is something distinct from everything that's happening uh, here now in vision. So the sun is, it plays a role, but it's but the role that it plays in vision is kind of um, it's paradoxical to say, but it's like an absent role. It plays a role by kind of being transparent, by being in the background. It's what makes something possible. Um, it's not one of the, um, the 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 actors in the in the stage, right? It's kind of a background condition, not one of the the, the main roles. Um, if, if that if that makes sense right um, so um, that is that's going to be a very significant idea for Plato because of the, the fact that it it, it it highlights that there is um, there is something about uh, this this recognition of knowing or seeing, um, leading you or pushing you to something which is beyond knowing or seeing, which makes knowing or seeing possible. Okay, so just as when you see something that makes you initially think, but there's got to be something beyond what I see that makes this possible. And in this case, it's you can call it the light or you can call it the sun or what have you. Uh, in the case of knowledge, he's saying, when you come to know something, there's got to be something beyond knowledge, which is what made knowledge possible in the first place. Okay, and so this is, this is like the very beginning 
stages of an argument for God's existence in, in a type of way, because what it's, it's an attempt to do is it's an attempt to, to go from um, effects to a cause of those effects, which must thereby like surpass uh, that whole way of, um, of thinking or that whole way of conceiving of things. Uh, just as the, uh, the sun might be beyond um, the, 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 the notion or the, the ability to be seen, uh, the analogy seems to suggest um, you don't look directly at the sun, rather you know the sun by looking at other things. Um, how do you know God? The argument might go. Um, it's not something that you can, he's not something you can know directly, perhaps, uh, according to this argument, but you know God indirectly through his effects. So I think there is, um, there's an analogy that can be made between how we know um, the cause of sight and how we know the cause of uh, being or the cause of um, existence, right? And this would push you to something like uh, an argument um, for, for God's existence, which would, would be the existence of something which is far different from uh, the existence of any of the things that we actually um, experience or encounter. Okay, um, and so the, the good, like the sun, is going to be a cause of, of things. Um, the sun's the cause of sight. The good is the cause of, of knowledge and of truth. And the way you could think about um, what truth is for Plato, uh, that is, what does it mean to say that something's true? It means to say um, that it is um, knowable. Right, so just as what it means to say that something is like um, colored, something has a color, uh, it means that it's, it's visible, it can be seen. To say that something is true is to say that it is knowable. So there's an analogy, I think, between um, color and truth that maps onto the distinction between sight and knowledge. Okay, and so... Um, just as the sun can be described or thought of as the cause of color. Why is that? Because without the sun, without any light, color wouldn't be, be color in a sense, right? That, that no, no seeing would be possible at all. And if seeing were just not possible at all, then it seems like the very concept of color would be an incoherent concept. In order for something to be described as a color, red or green or blue or whatever, it's got to at least be possible for it to be seen, right? So, so the um, the notion of having color uh, exist entails um, that it's visible. Uh, likewise, the notion that um, or the idea or the the, the the concept that something is true. Um, is coherent to the extent that it is um, knowable. Now, what it means for it to be knowable is is going to be um, up 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 for grabs. I mean, this is one of the things that we were talking about last time about um, different forms of knowledge. There's a distinction between belief 
um, and knowledge or opinion and knowledge, um, right? And so we can we can talk about about that here in a bit. But um, there's also um, that same type of ambiguity when it comes to um, to vision, uh, right? This is something that Plato also goes into. Uh, he's going to do this in greater length in Book Seven, but you have the um, the idea that you can look at a picture of an alligator and you can sort of describe that as you're looking at an alligator, even though you're not literally looking at an alligator, you're looking at an image of an alligator, right? Um, and so you still have this, this, um, this degree, there's, there's a degree of, of seeing. And I think that's going to map onto, um, the uh, degree of knowing that you find within the um, the other the other realm. Okay, so uh, the the sun is a cause of 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 sight. Likewise, uh, the good is a cause of knowledge. Uh, okay, very significant. Uh, and the and the way um, that you should think about how the sun and the good are um, analogical is that they they are um, uh, each you know uh, the, the the cause of the unity of of the knower and the the knowable which is like a, a, a giving or a gifting or a, or a enabling of the two to be what they most fully are right so the knower most fully is a knower when it's actually knowing. A seer is most fully a seer when it's actually seeing. But it depends on something other than itself in order to um, achieve its um, fullness. And so the good, or the sun, is what allows each to achieve its fullness. Okay, and so it, that's why it's described as, as, um, as good. Okay, uh, all right, and and here is uh, I just want to read read a little bit uh, uh, about another effect that I think is um, significant, uh, an effect of of the the sun and how this carries over to the analogy with the good. This is on the top of page two hundred five. This is five hundred nine B. Okay, so here's here it goes. Uh, Socrates says, um, let's examine our analogy in more detail. And then he goes on. The sun, I think you would say, not only gives visible things the power to be seen, but also provides for their coming to be, growth and nourishment, although it is not itself coming to be. Okay, so the sun, right, so think about the way he's drawing this analogy out. The sun doesn't just make things um, actually, you know, seeable or actually able to be seen, but the sun also is responsible for making things alive, making things grow, and 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 it's actually provides the nourishment for everything. It's you could think of the sun as like um, the uh, um, the lifeblood of all organic life. Without the sun, there wouldn't be there wouldn't be life. Um, not only would there not be a visible world, 
um, there just wouldn't be a living world, right? And uh, he thinks this is this is a significant aspect of this analogy, which he's then going to try to use um, to appeal to how the good is a cause of of life and of existence. Here's here's what he says. Therefore, we should also say that not only do the objects of knowledge owe their being known to the good, but their existence and being are also due to it. Although the good is not being, but something yet beyond being, superior to it in rank and power. Okay, so just as the sun isn't just responsible for uh, things being seen, it's also responsible for things being alive. Likewise, Socrates says, the good isn't responsible just for things being known. The good is responsible for things existing in the first place. And I think the way to, to think about why this is, is because um, to exist uh, seems to be linked up with being uh, knowable, right? To exist um, requires that you're knowable. Um, so if the good is the cause of something being know knowable, um, it seems uh, fair to say that it's also going to um, be the cause of it existing because there's like, it's almost like two sides of the same coin. To know something uh, is to know that it exists. Um, and so its existence is almost the same thing as its um, knowability. It's able to be known, uh, right? So something being colored is almost the same thing as it being v uh, visible, right? So something visible is something colored. Um, that's like two sides of the same coin. It's almost like you want to give one answer for both of those. It is colored. It is visible. It's almost like you're saying the same thing. Does something exist? Is something knowable? Uh, Plato seems to be wanting to suggest that, like the example of, of sight, this too will have a single cause. Um, so the good is, is the cause of both these, just as the sun was a cause, or light is the cause of some things being colored and being visible. Okay, so... Um, so this is this is a case uh, where we find um, uh, Plato linking up being and knowing or existence and knowing in a way that um, that gives that gives them the same cause and it thereby is is a cause that must lie beyond um, uh, being and knowing in a type of way. So the the way in which the good exists and the good is known is not going to be the exact same way in which, you know, um, hamburgers exist and hamburgers are, are known, right? So the, um, the, 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 way, the way in which you, you know the good is going to be different from the way in which you know all the things that the good causes or affects. Um, uh, trying to think of a, a another type of analogy that would be fruitful to help shed some light on this. Once again, here I am trying to shed light on the notion of light. Um, so I think 
one way to one way to maybe try to, to picture this um, uh, uh, example or this um, analogy is when you um, actually just go back to the sun. This is probably the best the best example right now. The the way that you um, or the way that Socrates wants you to think about this is you can know um, light by looking at objects. You can't know the sun um, by, by looking at it, as we'll see in the very next chapter, or the very next book, sorry. Um, to try to look at the sun will blind you. It'll, it'll, it'll make you blind so that you actually can't, you can't look at the sun directly. He's going to continue the, uh, the analogy a little bit more. A little bit further and so um, the way that you know the cup is by looking at it directly um, the way that you know the Sun can't be by looking at it directly um, in some sense he seems to want to suggest that the Sun is beyond um, beyond vision it's not a type of thing that ought to be looked at because it really can't be looked at because you'll you'll like destroy yourself destroy your eyes if you try to look at it um yeah uh, i mean just sort of continue it's just an analogy right so don't don't try to nitpick it too much he's trying to to say something fruitful um and uh something similar i think he wants to say is happening when it comes to knowledge of the good the way you know that hamburgers are good and the way you know that friends are good and the way you know that um, philosophy podcasts are good um, is not going to be the same um, way by which you come to know what the good itself is right you know philosophy podcasts are good by listening you know hamburgers are good by tasting um, you don't know what the good itself is in those ways because it is beyond uh, um, hearing it is beyond tasting just as we we talked about at the very beginning of book six the philosopher as the one who who loves the whole who's seeking not just to enjoy beauty in in one particular area but beauty itself which is beyond you know the the parts um, to think about knowing the good by merely just knowing one of the parts would be to fall into that, that same error. <clears throat> and so he's, he's trying to say that the, 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 whole, the whole method or, or um, the way by uh, coming to know the good itself is going to require you to have to say that the good in some ways is beyond our normal way of knowing. Um, and therefore, it's always going to sort of elude, uh, elude um, our, our attempt to grasp it. Um, okay, just as the sun will always, um, you know, elude our attempt to, to grasp it with sight, the good will always, you know, be out of reach by every attempt to grasp it with our, with our, um, with our reason, with our intellect. That doesn't mean you don't have any knowledge of it, though. And this is where, this is where we're going to go to to next. There's, there is a way that we can come to know the good, 
Um, but it's going to require um, a type of um, a type of humility, which we were, which we've been talking about last time, because this is going to be central to the philosophical uh, method of of knowing. That what you have to do, he thinks, is you have to um, you have to treat hypotheses as as actual hypotheses. And, and what he means by this, and he says this on page 207, uh, this is like 511B to C, somewhere around there. Uh, he, he, he thinks that w what you have is um, kind of like stepping stones, as he refers to it, uh, or links in a chain that slowly directs you towards um, a type of understanding, but it's a type of understanding that's always going to um, open up into a, a, uh, a deeper or broader um, possi possible understanding. And so here's here's what I here's here's what I have in have in mind and sort of how how to read Plato here. Um, so he says, you know, you begin, you begin by looking at, um, let's say, um, images of things, pictures of horses, pictures of, of the Grand Canyon, um, and all that. Okay. And so you, you develop some understanding of the world through, through, um, books and through, um, images. And then you come to realize, um, these are images of, of some more real reality. Um, these are these are um, pointing towards a a, um, a more true, more knowable um, reality. So a picture of the Grand Canyon um, is sort of directing your mind to something that's more real than a picture, right? You look at a picture and you don't just appreciate the picture. It actually is capable of like directing your mind to the actual Grand Canyon itself. And so it, it can like inspire or spark your, your, um, your desire to want to go to that actual reality and not just spend your life looking at pictures of it, but actually immerse yourself with it or in it. Um, okay, so that's the, that's the type of kind of maneuver that's happening here is you can look at an image and it can entice you or, or, or redirect you or push you on to um, uh, a higher uh, reality, a more, a more knowable reality. And this then is going to result in a, um, a ladder structure. So like a structure like a ladder where there's like these stepping stones. So when you look at the Grand Canyon and you, and you, you actually go there instead of looking at you know, pictures of this and reading books about it, but you actually go there, you now encounter um, the reality of which these pictures were aimed or directed. And so you, you might think to yourself, ah, oh, now I finally, I finally have attained what I really sought, what I really desired. I really wanted to see the Grand Canyon. Now I see it. My, my pursuit of beauty is, is accomplished because I'm here. I was, I was spent the early part of my life only, you know, in pseudo, pseudo fulfillment, pseudo reality, because I was only looking at pictures. 
Now I'm looking at real reality because I'm at the Grand Canyon. Plato says, in some ways that's the case, but it doesn't end there because what the Grand Canyon itself is, is it's another image of some more knowable reality. So just as the pictures imaged something, namely the Grand Canyon, Socrates thinks the Grand Canyon images something, uh, namely beauty itself. And so the, the desire to want to go to the Grand Canyon is this desire to want to know um, the truth, want to know reality, want to, to immerse yourself or unite yourself with reality. And so once you're at the Grand Canyon, you should only be more more enticed, more excited, more alive to want to unite yourself with reality because you're you're a bit closer now. You, you, you now have experienced a little bit more of the goodness of reality. And so this sign, the Grand Canyon, uh, is something which is aiming you or directing you, enticing you to want to um, know beauty. And so uh, it, it kind of leads you on to that. Uh, which is something that's going to be beyond the, um, the, the merely like visual world, right? And so the, um, the way that Plato seems to think of this is the physical world is this icon or this image that leads you up to a higher reality that transcends the physical world. It's not opposed to the physical world, um, but rather uh, the, the higher, this transcendent reality, the world of the forms, as he calls it, is um, something which is um, imaged in the physical world. And uh, putting it another way, you could think of the physical world as a picture or an image um, or a revelation of this, um, this more knowable, higher, uh, uh, reality, and so how you how you come to 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 you know ascend this ladder is going to be by um, learning to seek uh, in new ways um, reality, learning to seek reality in in, in newer or higher ways, uh, and and so this is something that is is difficult to do, um, but the way that the way that um, Socrates kind of presents this, I guess, uh, at the very end of book six, is he talks about um, this is all ultimately what the dialectical discussion is, um, what dialectics is, or another way to put it, what philosophical conversation is, is it's this attempt to move from lower things to higher things um, and he gives four kind of different conditions or four different stages of this ascent, um, which at the very lowest, he thinks it begins with imagination because you're just dealing with like images. It's just about like sort of pure passive um, experience. So imagination, you could think of it as like just the reception of images. Uh, and then you have the, the, the role or the domain of opinion, which is, which is sort of thought out or thinking through of the, of the image. 
And then there's um, um, thought, which is like, uh, um, you can think of uh, uh, thought as the, the, um, the abstracting away of the particulars for the, um, for the universal. And so you, the best example of this that, that Plato uses is something like math, where what math is, it, for many people it's, it's boring, but it actually has a really fascinating like kind of a theological element to it. Because what math is an endeavor to do is it's like the human endeavor to transcend the particular and spend one's time in the, the world of universals. So the, the beautiful thing about math, even if you're not good at it, you can still recognize it as beautiful because of the fact that it deals with things that are eternal, right? Math isn't, isn't like a, um, um, a contingent um, uh, uh, domain. It, it's, it's the, the domain of math is an eternal domain in, in a sense, and it's a domain that we can slowly enter into. Um, it takes a type of determination, a type of you know, intellectual um, um, training and, and, and habituation, and, and you have to have all that type of training that we talked about earlier on in the Republic if you're going to be able to, to make this ascent into the world of the eternal. Um, but he wants to say, but even when, you, even when you're there and you're like a master at, at, um, at this sort of abstraction, uh, you still don't have the, 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 the thing that you're looking for. Um, going back to the allegory or the analogy of the sun, what you're looking for is not just to know things, but you're looking at what is the cause for why I know things. Um, it's kind of, once again, analogous to I don't want to just see things, although that's the case, you, you, you do, but you don't just want to see things. You also want to know what, what is it that made it possible for this whole world of seeing to, 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 to be uh, something that I'm a part of, right? What is it that's the cause of the world of seeing? Not merely, I want to see this one thing and I want to see this other thing, but what makes seeing uh, possible at all. That's what you want to know, which is something that actually is going to transcend or go beyond the world of, of sight. Likewise, um, you don't just want to know things, you want to know what makes it possible for there to be knowledge in the first place, um, which ultimately is what Socrates refers to as the good, and, and therefore, like in the case of the sun, this uh, is going to go beyond or transcend the world of, of knowledge. And so the way you come to this is going to always be kind of through, through, through um, the recognition of your inability to actually fully attain it. Um, and so there is something that's bordering on like a, um, a mystical knowledge. Uh, this, is, this is perhaps comparable to like a mystical theology. How do you come to know that which is in and of itself an inherent uh, mystery? It's, it's, it's a perplexing thing. How do you come to know what is essentially um, mysterious for us? And the way you come to know that 
uh, is going to be something that only the philosopher can do because the philosopher has this recognition that the, the method is about seeing the higher in the lower, seeing the transcendent revealed in the imminent or in the, um, the, 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 the incarnate, that which you, you encounter. And so we do have some, some understanding um, of the good through seeing its images. Uh, and this is, um, I think, why the, the philosopher is the one who has the, um, the ability to, um, to know the good. It's because it's the person who um, recognizes this method uh, as the method by which all things are known. You, you, you ascend to um, knowledge or you arrive at knowledge through seeing uh, the whole revealed in the parts. And that's ultimately what it is to uh, be a philosopher.